0: Great to see you. Happy Easter. I don't know whether there's some kind of official, uh, kind of liturgical response there, like, and also with you or something like that. We'll just go with Happy Easter. Yeah. Um, my name's Chuck. I'm one of the leaders here. I'm married to the lovely Taryn. Uh, and uh, it's really good to be here and to hear those stories. In some ways, the gospel has already been preached. Uh, But we are going to open the scriptures this morning. And so if you've got a Bible with you, now is the moment to produce it. Don't worry if you haven't got one. You can either download one from the App Store or the, um, what do you call it, Google Play Store. Or we've got some Bibles here. Um, And uh, 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 Tracy is going to be the Bible monitor this morning. I just want to give you a little tip for being selected for this. Um, Avoiding eye contact doesn't help. So, uh, just stick up your hand if you'd like a Bible for the purposes of these next few moments. We're going to be reading from two passages this morning, one of them in the Gospel of Mark, right at the end of Mark's Gospel, and one of them in Ezekiel, chapter 37. Good. And if you haven't got a Bible at home, then we would love you to have a Bible at home, and so please feel free to just take one of these Bibles away. You might just want to thumb through them and just choose the cleanest one, because we don't know where they've all been. Uh, Okay, let's pray. <laughs> and Jesus, we are so glad that you are no longer in a grave, but that you're right here by your Spirit. And so we welcome you. And we pray that as we open the scriptures together, you would cause the word to burn within us. And We pray for the person to our left and the person to our right, Jesus, that you would come and whisper love, acceptance, affirmation, hope to each one. Amen. Amen. So we've been uh, just. I mean, there are lots of visitors here this morning, and lots of people who are not often here. So you maybe don't know, but we've been in Mark's gospel since September the tenth, twenty seventeen, and so we've been working our way. That's eighty four weeks ago we started, and today is the very last one. It's the crescendo. It's the peak. It's the pinnacle. It's it's really what Mark has been building up to for all of this time, sixteen chapters, and this is the moment. This is like. Ta da! This is the moment he's been building up to. So, Mark chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He's risen. He is not here. What an amazing passage. I love it. Absolutely awesome. And a few years ago, we were having some work done on our house. And while the builders were in our house, sawing and hammering and nailing and all of that kind of thing, uh, they said to us, you need to go and choose some flooring. And so we went to a flooring shop. Now, you know when you meet someone and they're just unbelievably passionate about what they do? And you just think, how could you be so passionate about that? But is there something contagious about their passion? Well, this guy was the most passionate person I've ever met about flooring. And so he's, you know, uh, he said, oh, what kind of flooring do you want? We're like, well, oh, we don't know, like, don't know. We just, he said, you, you mean you haven't even thought about it? You just couldn't believe it. You know, he said, well, what do you want? Do you want tiles or vinyl or liner or, or like a, a, a solid wood floor, laminate floor, engineered wood floor? What do you want? And we were like, oh, I don't know. And, and he just couldn't believe it. And then he's showing us around the shop. And eventually we settled on a particular wooden floor and... He was like, okay, now you need to listen really carefully at this point. Here is a sample of this wooden floor. I was like, yeah, okay. I think I may have seen the sample before. You know, I think this, this is not this is not something that's unfamiliar to me. He's, no, no, listen, this is a sample. You have to promise me that you're going to do two things with this sample. So like, okay. He said, What what you need to do is number one, you need to take it home and you need to look at it really carefully and you need to examine its quality. It's very important that you understand what a quality product this really is. And then he said, and then what I want you to do is I want you to lay it down at the entrance to the room and I want you to kneel down in front of it and I want you to look across it and I want you to imagine that the whole floor has been filled with this sample. The point is, Jesus' resurrection is a sample resurrection. We're supposed to really, really examine its quality and then we're supposed to kneel down and to look across it and to imagine what it would be like for millions upon millions of people to be gathered around the throne of God having experienced exactly the same I love those verses. Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, people and language. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We all get to experience what Jesus has already experienced. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies, even if I do say so myself, our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. His resurrection is a sample resurrection. And we're supposed to kneel down and look across it and imagine what it would be like for all of us to experience the same thing. And so I want us this morning to to, um, examine what did Jesus' resurrection really look like? What is the nature of resurrection? What what happens when we're resurrected? What is resurrection really all about? And so we're going to do that by looking in Ezekiel chapter 37, which is this amazing, amazing picture of a resurrection. And let me just say, as you're turning to that or or swiping or tapping to that, Ezekiel chapter 37, this amazing picture of resurrection uh, comes to a people who've experienced lots of death. And uh, the specific historical situation is that God has been, the story of the Old Testament, really, is that God has been relentlessly gracious and kind to his people over and over again, and they've been relentlessly rebellious. And he's been saying to them again and again, Justice is coming. Justice is coming. Make sure that you're with me and for me when the justice comes. And unfortunately, justice does come. And the Babylonians besiege the people of God. And they ransack the, te- ransack the temple and they take God's people out of the promised land. And they take them off into exile. And in this moment, even then, God is relent- relentlessly gracious and he speaks this word of prophecy, this word of hope. To a people who've lost everything and have experienced lots of death. Okay, Exodus 37, we're going to read from verse 1. Ezekiel, what did I say? Exodus. Yeah, don't go to Exodus, that would be the wrong place. So, (laughs) Ezekiel 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, it was full of bones. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Amazing. So what is the nature of our hope? What does resurrection really look like? Well, uh, the first thing is this. Resurrection is never beyond hope. The picture that Ezekiel is painting here is of a battlefield, and it's a battlefield of defeat. There are dead bodies everywhere, and in fact, they're uh, not—you know—these dead bodies. They're pretty unwell. Like, like, in fact, they're beyond unwell. They're dead. In fact, they're beyond dead. They're skeletons. In fact, they're beyond skeletons. The skeletons have been scattered. These are scattered bones, and they're not only scattered, but they're dry scattered bones, which means that they've been there for a really long time. These um, dead bodies are way beyond vitamin C. And arnica, and whatever other kind of funny old thing that you want to come up with. These are these these are looking really poorly. It reminds me of the dead parrot sketch in uh, Monty Python. They've passed on. This parrot is no more. He's ceased to be. He's expired and gone to be with his maker. Bereft of life, he rests in peace. If you hadn't nailed him to the perch, he'd be pushing up daisies. His metabolic processes are now history. He's off the twig. He's kicked the bucket. He's shuffled off this mortal coil, run down the curtain, and joined the bleeding choir invisible. This is an ex-parrot. These, these bones are, you know, he says, son of man, can these bones live? And the answer is, of course they can't live. Like, you could sit there and watch them for as long as you like. They're not going to just suddenly go, oh, they're dead. And the point is, as Jesus said, with man, all thi- uh, this is impossible, but all things are possible with God. These hopeless bones, they come to life under the power of God. And actually that's what we see in the Easter story. We see Jesus who has been so barbarically tortured that he doesn't even have the strength to uh, carry his own cross. And he's put into a tomb and he's wrapped tightly in uh, grave clothes. And they put a stone that would have weighed the, the same kind of weight as a small car, only it didn't have any wheels over the entrance. And then they took some soldiers, at least 16 professional Roman soldiers, and they put them there and they said, don't let anyone come in or out of this tomb. The point is, it's, there is literally zero hope of this body coming back to life without the intervention of God. There was no hope, and yet the power of God surged. Anyone else want to? Something I said, or? Yeah, that's right. They were like, oh, that's the signal. When we hear Exodus, we move. The point is it's not possible to be in a state of death too deep for the resurrection power of God. Nothing is beyond hope. Reminds me of that story in Luke chapter 8 where uh, there's this poor man, he's tormented. Um, uh, He's uh, been cutting himself with stones. He's lost his mind, he's violent. People had clearly tried to help him. They tried to sit with him. They tried to change his clothes. They'd even tried to restrain him, and nothing had worked. In Luke's Gospel, it says that he was living among the tombs, which is more than a geographical description. He's utterly beyond hope. And then Jesus comes into town, and within moments, he's there sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach in his right mind and clothes. There is nothing that is beyond hope. And so many of us, even though to all intents and purposes or or, or to all appearances, we seem to be alive. Actually, within our own lives, there are areas of our lives in which we're living amongst the tombs. But we're never beyond the resurrection power of God. There's always hope. Resurrection is never beyond hope. Number two, resurrection is only available from God verse 3, he says, son of man, can these bones live? And the obvious answer is no, of course they can't live. But in that moment, Ezekiel has this burst of revelation. He suddenly realizes, oh, but if you decided that they would live, then they would live. He has this sudden moment. He says, it's up to you, Lord, sovereign Lord, you alone know. In other words, well, We could decide that they would live, but nothing would happen. But if you decided that they would live, then they would instantly burst into life. It's up to you. My auntie had a a hip replacement. You know, So she'd been having problems with her hip for ages and ages. She went into a hospital. They put her to sleep, and then they sawed off her old hip, I imagine. Well, maybe they do use a saw. Maybe a chain. I don't know. Whatever they use, (laughs) they... It's not a chainsaw. Okay, listen, everyone. It's not a chainsaw. It's okay. They sawed off her hip. They replaced it with a titanium one. It's amazing what can be replaced in our bodies, isn't it? We might say, actually, I don't really like the effect that age is having on my body, especially my face. Uh, And we could go to a doctor and they could do a sort of a nip and tuck and a bit of Botox here and there. It's amazing what can't be renovated, isn't it? You can go to a spa. You could wrap yourself in seaweed and cling film and sit in a sauna or something like that. You could be really refreshed. Taryn and I have watched loads and loads of ER. It's our favorite program. We've watched the whole box sets of ER over and over again. I'm confident that if there was no doctor available in the ER, like I know about Chem 7s, test tube, you know, chest tubes, uh, rib spreaders, like... You know, I know how to massage the heart with my hands. I know pretty much everything there is to know. Uh, it's amazing uh, how much can be resuscitated, isn't it? So in the modern age of 21st century medicine and alternative therapies, we can replace, we can rejuvenate, we can refresh, we can even resuscitate, but God alone can perform a resurrection. We... Um, we always have people in, around our church who are uh, uh, not Christians or not sure if they are. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're, uh, I don't know how you would call it, different people use different language. You're, you're searching or you're investigating or you're weighing things up or you're, um, uh, you're just here just out of interest or whatever it is. But, but I can just tell you, if you're, if you're looking for life after death, If you're looking for somebody to be able to resurrect your body, it's completely pointless to shop around. Because there's only one place, there's only one person from whom you can receive a resurrection. And it's our Father in Heaven. You know, if you wanted to shop for a TV, you might go online, do a bit of investigation, figure out roughly what kind of TV you want. Then maybe you might go into a shop. And you might look at the TVs in real life and have a little and talk to the guy or whatever. Um, You might want to buy it there and then or you might want to go home, do some more research and then find the cheapest price. And and that wouldn't necessarily recommend that. It's not good for the high street. But, you know, and eventually you, you shop around, you get the best price, you find yourself a really great TV. You can shop around for a TV. You can't shop around for a resurrection. It's only available from God. And so if you're looking for someone who could provide you with certainty that you'll know where you, you're going when you die. You've come to the right place. Resurrection is only available from God. Number three, resurrection is a work of the Holy Spirit. I'm the sort of person who is easily inspired by watching things on TV. And so I, I don't know whether you can relate to this, but imagine you, you're, like, you're sitting there watching Wimbledon. I reckon 10 minutes of watching Wimbledon is all I need to be absolutely convinced that I'm going to be playing at Wimbledon next year. Do you, do you know, like, I'm confident. Uh, like, 10 minutes is all I need to look under my bed for my tennis racket and to go and start hitting balls around. Or I, pr- I promise I'm not making this up. I watched 20 minutes of The Great British Sewing Bee and I went and made a cushion. Anyone else? Anyone else relate to that? Yeah. The Great British Bake Off is offers a serious, serious danger to my waistline, and. Uh, there, there was one on a while ago, and, and, and they were making cakes out of vegetables, you know, so like courgette cake and, and beetroot cake and all that. And I was like, I have got some carrots in my fridge that, need, you know, I could do this. And so I got out the recipe, and I was like, m- you know, mixing everything up. I, c- I couldn't tell you what was in it, but lots of different things. And I put it into the oven, and then uh, however long, 45 minutes later, whatever it was, I... I, I I was really excited. I pulled this cake out of the thing and I was like, oh, it wasn't quite what I'd hoped for. I was hoping for carrot cake. What I got was something that looks really, really similar to the space saver wheel that you have in the boot of your car, (laughs) you know, like really, really flat and rock hard. And when I looked at it again, I was like, what did I do wrong? What did I miss out? I missed out the raising agent. Can you see where this is going? God's agent for raising people to life is the Holy Spirit. And in Ezekiel's picture, the bones come together and the tendons are on there and the muscles and the flesh and the skin comes on it. But they're not yet alive until the breath of God comes into them. And the word that's translated as breath is the Hebrew word ruach which is often translated as spirit, the spirit of God, the breath of God comes into these bodies and suddenly they're made alive. So verse 5, I'll put my breath, I'm sorry, I'll make my breath enter you and you'll come to life. Verse 6, I'll put my breath in you and you'll come to life. Verse 14, I'll put my spirit in you and you will live. The way that God brings life out of death is that he pours out his spirit, he He invests his spirit into our dead bodies and they come to life. That's the way that God raised Jesus from the dead and it's the way that he'll raise us from the dead. Romans chapter 8 verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Now, you might say, so what? You know, actually, I don't really care how God raises me from the dead as long as he does raise me from the dead. Like, uh, it doesn't really matter the mechanics of it. I'm not that bothered. To which I would say, yes, but the point is that you have the Holy Spirit within you today. So you don't have to wait until the other side of your death before you experience the resurrection power of God. You can know the resurrection power of God in your life today. You can start to find life in all of your death today. A few years ago, I was walking with a friend of mine who works at uh, Teen Challenge, Sunny Bray, which is a place where people go, men go, when they are trapped in uh, drug addiction. And he was telling me that there were, at that particular time, there were 14 young men who were living in this uh, particular place. It's, it's really, really amazing. I'd recommend that you look it up and support it in whatever way you can. But there were 14 men living there. And what they decided to do was to add up the number of years that had been wasted. So the number of years that they'd all been trapped in various kinds of addiction, uh, various kinds of death. And when they added it up between the 14 of them, they'd experienced 224 years of death. 81,816 days. Nearly 2 million hours of death. And then they met Jesus. And he gave them the resurrection power of God and began to bring them around to life. And the truth is that if I had more time, I could wheel across people across this, uh, the front here, who have experienced exactly the same thing. People who would say, I've known the power of death because of an eating disorder, I've known the power of death in my health, I've known the power of death at work in my marriage. And in story after story, they would tell you the resurrection power of God brought about life and hope and resurrection. You know, the truth is that we all want to change something about our lives. Uh, And um, I was on Amazon.com or .co.uk yesterday. Amazon.co.uk has 178,862 books with the words life change. In the title, not just in the description, in the title, 178,000 books. Here's some of them. Superfoods, 14 foods to change your life. I like the idea of just being able to eat things and get better, don't you? Uh, Change your voice, change your life. A quick, simple plan for finding and using your natural dynamic voice. Change your aura, change your life. A step-by-step guide to fulfilling your spiritual power. Change your life without getting out of bed. The ultimate nap book. How to change your life by doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> Feng Shui, arranging your furniture to change your life. And my particular favorite, change your underwear, change your life. <laughs> change, change your life, uh, quick and easy ways to make your life fun, exciting and vibrant. We all want to change our lives, but really if, we, if we're serious about wanting to see change in our lives, it really comes down to two questions. Is the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in my life? Question number one. Question number two, actually equally important. Am I cooperating with the work of the Holy Spirit in my life? Resurrection is a work of the Holy Spirit. And the last one is this, and I'll finish with this. Resurrection is for his purpose. In verse 10, the bones come to life and they stand up on their feet. And then what happens next? Like if if I didn't know the rest of the story, I would think that the next thing is something like you go to B and Q and you buy a load of barbecues and you have just a great big celebration, right? Someone goes goes on Facebook uh, Marketplace and rents that. Um, uh, bouncy castle that's always being shown on Facebook, you know, and, and you, know, you just kind of have a good old knees up and you enjoy it yourselves and you celebrate. Oh, look, we're all back to life again. And then you, everyone carries on with their lives. That's actually not what happens. You need to look down as uh, it says here. Um, Breath entered them. They came to life and stood up. This is verse 10. Breath entered them. They came to life, stood up on their feet, a vast army. And that's a clue there to the idea that resurrection is never pointless. It always has a purpose. And then if you look down as far as verse 22, it says this, I'll make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. They'll no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any other of their offenses. For I will save them from all their sinful backsliding and I'll cleanse them. They will be my people and I'll be their God. That's the purpose that we would be his people, that we would know him and love him and serve him together. This is how the Apostle John sees it in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. That's the singular focus in the heart of God, that he would raise for himself a people to be with him forever. And that is the opportunity that is afforded to every single one of us. Why don't we stand?